You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Hello. Well, those of you who don't know me, my name is Tom. I'm one of the leaders here at the Hall Vineyard, and it's great to see you on this very special day. Um, <laughs> it is coming home. And, I, and, and um, because it's coming home, I just wanted to really dive into the Bible and um, look at some prophetic reasons why it's coming home. And uh, the Archbishop of York has done the hard work for me, but if you were to turn to Ezekiel 40, chapter 28, you would find these words. He brought me to the inner court, and that is to the prize and the victory that we are longing for, by the south gate. So I I think that because this is clearly, you know, biblical that um, we support England for it to be brought home this evening, I thought we needed a little bit of a change of decoration. So uh, I'm going to place this here. (laughs) And this will, uh, I think this is appropriate, and that will just all get us in the mood for what is about to happen this evening. Um, this will be a rapid-fire sermon for that very reason as well. <laughs> so tonight, guys, I'm going to be talking to you um, about Elijah. And um, what I'm looking at in particular is in, Elijah, is in King, 1 Kings 19. So if you do have your Bibles with you, get them ready. We're going to be starting in verse 4, and we're going through to verse 12. Uh, if you've got phones, they're on there. But the words will also come up behind me when I get to those points. Now, the story of Elijah, among many things, is one of burnout. Um, It's an example of what can happen if you don't prioritize rest and our human need to receive from our Father in heaven. Now, this past 18 months, as we all know, have probably been some of the hardest that any of us have had to experience. Many of us have had to face periods of isolation due to lockdown. In fact, many of us had Christmas with much smaller groups of people and not the big family gatherings that we would have been used to. Some of us have actually lost jobs, and income has been difficult, um, being on furlough schemes or trying to just make ends meet, struggling to put food on the table in some cases. There's been genuine fear and anxiety about health, which in a global pandemic is understandable. And unfortunately, many of us, and uh, close to us and friends and family, may have had the sadness of losing, losing loved ones through the last 18 months. Now, this is all compounded on top of our regular struggles and stresses in life, which are never few and far between. And and so, altogether, there's been an evidence to show that people's mental health has been struggling. And um, back in 2018, the Mental Health Foundation asked 4,000 adults about their mental health. And they found that 74% of those people that they asked had been so stressed that they'd felt overwhelmed and unable to cope. 51% of those adults reported that they'd also felt depressed, and 61% had felt that they felt anxious. And of the people that had felt stressed at some point in their lives, 16% had self-harmed, and 32% said that they had had suicidal thoughts. Now, fast forward to this year, and in 2021, between January and March, the Office of National Statistics reported that between one in five adults had experienced um, depressive symptoms, and that was more than double than the numbers seen previously to the pandemic. I say all that to show you that mental health is something that is not an, um, bad mental health and poor mental health is something that's not unusual. Unfortunately, it is quite normal. Thankfully, we now live in a society where it is no longer a taboo to talk about mental health, and there is help for people. And as the old phrase goes, people are encouraged to talk. It is good to talk. Now, 
wouldn't it be even better, though, if we could manage our lives in a way that could potentially reduce the amount of suffering and struggle that we have with our mental health? Well, um, sometimes we don't really help ourselves. Sometimes we live lives that are so full, so burdensome, that we don't create the margin we need to remain healthy. Do you know, prior to the pandemic, my wife Ruth and I were doing way too much. Both of us have um, jobs, we have two children, and we are very involved with the church and have a heavy social, um, involved social life. All of that's excellent in balance, but unfortunately what we didn't do was leave any margin for rest, time, decent quality time with the Lord, and consequently we ended up pushing ourselves to extremes without any margin for our family or for each other. So we were burnt out, exhausted, and it was only because of the pandemic that we actually stopped and had that realization. Now, to some extent, we probably could have echoed the words of Elijah in 1 Kings 19, verse 4. And as I said, the words will come up if you don't have your Bibles to hand. And it says in 1 Kings 19, for this, and these are the words of Elijah being spoken here, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Or if you read that in the message version, it says, enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Strong words. But this is coming from the mouth of Elijah. Now, many of us know who Elijah is. He's a great prophet of God. He was a hero of the faith, revered in the New Testament as being one of the heroes of the faith. He had spent time in the wilderness, called there by God and fed by ravens. Um, like, I mean, how much faith do you have to have to go and live in the desert and actually have birds bringing your food? He'd seen many powerful miracles. He'd seen provision of food for a widower who, was, who had nothing. He had seen a son, a young boy, raised from the dead. He'd seen the Lord come down and consume an altar in fire. And he'd seen rain come back from the heavens when he prayed. And he was even whisked off to heaven um, in 2 Kings 2 in, in a chariot of fire. This doesn't seem like the words of a man who would be that faithful in the Lord, someone who'd seen that much power. How is he saying these words? He's praying for death. You see, these are the words of a broken man. These are the words of a man who sees himself as a failure, someone who is perhaps lacking or struggling in his faith. So how can Elijah be saying these things? Well, Elijah is actually suffering from burnout. You see, he hadn't physically or emotionally stopped for at least 48 to 72 hours prior to saying those words. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a, a potted history of what is going on with Elijah in this moment. So Elijah was called to minister to the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, at this point, we are on the seventh king, Ahab, and the kings in the north had been pretty bad, starting at the first all the way up to where we are now with Ahab, and Ahab is the worst yet. He worships, along with his wife Jezebel, um, this false god called Baal and Asherah, and basically it's just awful if you're, if you're a, a a follower of the Lord. You are basically looking for death on a day, looking, trying to avoid death on a daily basis in that kingdom. So Elijah is called to go to Ahab and tell him that everything he's doing is wrong, and because everything he's doing is wrong, the Lord is going to bring a famine along the, upon the land. Well, that's almost a death sentence in itself. Elijah's being told to go and say something to somebody who's going to kill him for what he says, which is going to raise, I imagine, his stress levels a little bit. 
Then, when he finally speaks to Ahab, and uh, they, he, he then goes into this thing, which is a demonstration of God's power. It's a God contest, or a faith-off, if you like. He challenges all the false prophets of Baal, which is 850 of them, to a, um, to a big contest where they have to call upon their God to bring down fire from heaven and consume this altar. This starts early in the morning and goes right through to dusk. And he spends all this time basically mocking them while they try and call on their Lord to bring down fire and nothing happens. And then at the end of the evening, Elijah calls upon the Lord and the fire comes down and consumes the altar. And this happens in front of thousands of Israelites who are watching this take place. Now, then he goes up onto the mountain and he prays for rain. The rains return and full of the Holy Spirit, he takes up his garment and he runs from the mountain to a place called Jezreel, a distance they reckon of about 17 miles. He does that so fast he outruns the king's chariot. Now, to put that into context for you, if you were to, the 17 miles is about from here to Market Wheaton. So you would, that's a five-hour walk or a three-hour horse ride. Um, and he's not a young man. Elijah is not a fit 20-year-old when he does this. You know, he's probably in his 40s or 50s at least. So this is, this is a serious achievement to do that. And then when he gets there, he's threatened by Jezebel. Now, Jezebel is probably the most evilest woman in the Bible, and she is not to be trifled with. It was her mission to raise up Baal worship and to eradicate all of the Israelite prophets. Well, she threatens Elijah. Now, that's a threat to be taken seriously. And he is gripped with fear, and he walks a further day into the wilderness, and then, and I imagine he walked pretty quick, I would, and then he collapses, exhausted under a bush. If that's not burnout, I don't know what is. He's basically gone through the running mill there. Now, you probably don't have the same stresses that Elijah has, and I really hope not. I don't think any evil queens are hunting you down. However, you'll have things that weigh on you heavily and things that have made it difficult for you to stop and for you to process what's going on. It could be your finances. It could be your health or your work. Maybe you've not got good relationships with your boss at the moment or you're working too many hours. It could be school or university. Have you got deadlines that you're trying to work to that are just causing you a lot of stress? Do you run a business and you're worried about your employees, especially during the pandemic? How are they going to be able to keep going if you can't keep paying them? Do you have family issues? Are there relationships that have broken down in your family that cause you sleepless nights? Or is it church? Are you putting too much in to, to what you're doing here sometimes and not creating margin for the rest of your life as well? If you feel like you're tired and rushed and you feel like you just don't have margin, ask yourself, when did you last stop? When did you make the time to stop? Well, if you're feeling like that, there are some solutions, and God gives them to Elijah, and we're going to look at that now. So from 1 Kings 19, 5 to 12, I'll read this for you. Um, God basically takes Elijah on a detox of his burnout. So we start here in verse 5. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and he lay down again. 
the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And then he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. I think, something like that. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And and after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. It's kind of at this point I imagine Elijah stood on a mountainside, his hair stuck on end, shaking like a leaf, with his eyebrows burnt to a crisp, and just trying to work out what's gone on. And then it says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. Brilliant, brilliant bit of scripture there. Well, within that scripture, I want to just highlight three things to you. The first is rest. The first thing that God does with Elijah is make him rest. He allows him that time to do that. It says he lay down under a bush and he fell asleep. And then an angel came, fed him, gave him water, and then let him go to sleep again. And then he woke him up and gave him more food before sending him on his way. You see, God lets him recover physically and he takes care of his needs. God knows he needs to stop eat and sleep. Remember, Elijah hadn't stopped for at least 40 hours, probably 72 at this time. He needs to rest. Do you know, it's people often say isn't, that the, the Bible stands for um, basic instructions before leaving earth, and they don't get more basic than that. Rest. If you're tired, rest. If you're hungry, eat. These are the things that we are, the basic fundamentals. But it's funny how when we are so weighed down with stuff, we don't do those things. We don't make space for them. We don't actually take time to restore ourselves. You know, Jesus models the value of rest so many times. In the the New Testament, you see him on multiple occasions encouraging his disciples to come away with him and rest. Even in stormy times, In Mark 4, chapter 35 to 40, you will see in the storm that Jesus sleeps in the boat. While there is a storm raging, he takes a nap. It is important to rest. So if you're tired, take a holiday for yourself. Take a break. Two, quiet. This is what I always ask my children to be. Strengthened by the food that he had, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. What God is doing here is once he's restored Elijah physically, he's taking him away from the place that is causing him the stress. He takes him away from the danger. He takes him away from the noise. He takes him somewhere quiet. In the stillness, this is where God can meet with him. And it's where God can meet with us. This is another thing that Jesus models in the New Testament. 
Again, multiple references to Jesus going out to be in a quiet place by a lake, in a field, on a hill, to pray. In Matthew 14, and Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, his first response was to go somewhere privately and pray. And I want to say to you right now that if you are struggling and if you are not coping with life, you feel the weight of everything upon you, you need to find your quiet place and you need to make it somewhere you go regularly. Find your mountain, find your lake, find your park, find your garden, find your room, wherever it is for you that is your quiet place, go and reside there and seek the Lord. So if your head is spinning, go away, be free from distraction, get away from where the noise and the stress is, turn your phone off and be quiet. Number three, seek. God allows Elijah to seek him. He rests him, makes sure he's physically restored. He takes him away to a quiet place, and then he gives him the opportunity to seek him. He asks him this question, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, why is God asking him that question? God is omniscient, all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows why Elijah's there. In fact, he asked him to go there. So there's no need for him to ask him this question. So what is God doing there? Well, he's encouraging Elijah to talk. It's good to talk. If you're in pain, you're suffering inside, it's good to vent. And that's what God's doing. He's giving Elijah the opportunity to vent. And that's why I read that scripture with such drama, because really what Elijah is doing that moment is pouring out his heart and pouring out his pain when he says, I am the only one left, Lord. They are now trying to kill me too. That's not even true. Right? There, there are, he's not the only prophet left. Earlier in the book, it talks about how 50 of the prophets have all been sa- kept safe in a cave, which he would probably have known about. So this isn't true, what he's saying. What he's actually doing is speaking from his heart. Because when we feel this pain and we feel this struggle upon us, that's how we think. We think that we are the only one. We think that we are going to have our lives taken from us, and we cry out. But that's good. It's good to be honest with God. It's good to tell him your pain, to say, to scream, to cry, to shout at him and say, this is how I feel, Lord. Why won't you help me? God knows we need to get these things off our chest. And then it's after that that God comes in the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. And then, after the fire, came a gentle whisper. As he's seeking God, what God does is show him that he's not just in the power. God is in the power, and he's in the power for his glory. But he shows Elijah he's also in the stillness. He's in the calm. And it's in that calm and his intimate whisper where he restores our souls. You know, so many times in my walk, I've thought, if I go to the next big conference, or I go down to the front and I get filled with the Spirit, the Lord will transform me. He'll take away all my struggles. I'll have this revelation. I'll walk out of here the best Christian ever. I'll be Jesus number two, evangelist extreme. But it doesn't work like that. You have to invest in the quiet times to have your soul restored. It's so important we do this regularly. It's so important we have the one-to-one communication with our Lord in heaven. So if you feel broken, you feel in pain, you're stressed, depressed, struggling with anxiety and fear, go to your quiet place and seek him. Seek him who loves you, 
Seek him who cares for you. Seek him who restores you. So, just to recap the three things that we want to learn from this scripture with Elijah. Firstly, rest. If you're tired, rest. It's really basic. Go and get some rest. Go away from where you're, um, it's making you tired. Sleep, take a holiday, eat well. Physically restore yourself. Remember, the very beginning of the Bible, God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh, he rested. He was basically giving us a model for how to live our weeks. We have six days where we can work, and we have a seventh we can rest. And to find your day where you rest, it doesn't have to be a Sunday or a Saturday. It might, you know, we all work flexi-hour contracts these days. I don't know how it works. P- pick a day that's best for you. Pick a time that is intentional where you will rest. And then make it a weekly habit. Next, quiet. Find your quiet place. Find your mountain. Elijah had the mountain of God. We don't all have access to that, especially in hallway. It's as flat as a pancake. But you can find some nice quiet places. You might have a garden, and then that might be your place that you can go. You might have a park nearby. You might just be able to take a walk just down the road, and it's somewhere that's at least away from the thing that is causing you stress and distraction. Wherever it is, make sure you have somewhere you know you can go to seek God. And that's the final thing, seek Seek him. Be still and listen for that gentle whisper. He won't come necessarily in power to restore you. He may just come in a gentle whisper. But he is longing to restore you and bring you peace. You see, Elijah had great faith. He knew God's power in his life, as we saw with all the miracles and all the things that he was a part of. But what he had done in that period was neglected his relationship with his father He gave, 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 and actually had forgotten to receive. So ensure you have margin. Make time to rest, be quiet, and seek the Father. And make that a priority. Now, for some of you, that might be first thing in the morning. But I imagine for many of you, it is not. Do not worry if you are not a morning person. I have been a Christian now for about 15, 16 years, and over that period of time, I have always felt a little bit condemned that I don't get up at the, you know, it's six in the morning before the dawn chorus and pray for two hours before I get on with my day. I am absolutely awful in the mornings. I'm like a zombie. Right? My wife brings me a cup of tea. I'm surely supposed to do that as the gentleman to her. She brings me the tea, and she beats me with a pillow to get me out of bed to do the school run. There is no way I am in a position to talk to the Lord at that time in the morning. I can barely comprehend the English language, let alone form a sentence. Don't beat yourself up if that's not your time. I I am a night owl. I do a lot of my praying, a lot of my thinking late at night before I go to bed. And I'm not the only one. Our national director for the Vineyard Movement, John Wright, actually shared in a testament that he's very similar. He can't function in the morning. He finds it much better to pick other times in the day. It doesn't matter when you do it, as long as you do it. So find somewhere that's right for you, and don't beat yourself up if you're not doing it the same way as your neighbor or somebody else that you've seen. Don't judge yourself based on what they do. Do what you need to do to have your relationship with God. And the final thing I want to say to you is, as we are so excited for lockdown lifting, there's lots of opportunities for us to do things again. But I'd like you to be intentional. 
I'd like you to think about it and don't just fall back into old habits. Don't fill your diaries full of everything that everyone is offering all of a sudden. Make sure that the first thing that's in your diary for each week is the time that you are setting aside to be with God. From that foundation, everything else will flow. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.